The Iron Flute K-77 Tozan's Higher Teaching Tozan said to his monks, You monks should know there is an even higher teaching. Fugai, when one tries to know the higher, one falls lower. A monk stepped forward and asked, What is the higher teaching? Fugai, that monk was cheated by Buddha and the ancestors. Tozan answered, It is not Buddha. Fugai, selling horse meat labeled prime beef. Nyogen Senzaki, a Zen monk wanting to attain something superior to ordinary Buddhist teachings is like a horse galloping to reach a handful of hay suspended in front of his nose from a pole attached to his halter. The only way for the horse to eat the hay is to stop running and allow the pole to slip from his back. Tozan wanted to encourage beginners aspiring to realization, but when he was asked about the higher teaching, he had to answer, it is not Buddha. Here, Buddha stands for enlightenment and not for the person who attained enlightenment in India 25 centuries ago. Genro's comment. Tozan is so kind. He is like a fond grandparent who forgets his dignity to play with the children and is heedless of the ridicule of spectators. Followers of his teaching must remember this and repay his kindness with gratitude. Fugai. When one tries to repay, he himself makes heavy debts. Nyogen Senzaki. Tozan was one of the founders of the Soto school. After Fugai, there was no greater teacher. The Rinzai school might scorn Tozan's answer in the belief that the monk deserved a blow. It is like the coldness of winter compared to the spring breeze. Americans may take either school according to their choice. Genro's verse. Tozan Zen is decorated with virtue and samadhi. Fugai, it is worthless. Aimlessly, he misleads people. Fugai, he's getting too old. The shadow of the bow in the glass. Lucky to know it is a shadow. Poisons the one who drinks the wine. He should be ashamed of himself. Well, it's the sixth day. Interesting. This morning, after we left the Zendo, I followed Togon to the Kaisando, to the Doksan room, and I stood in the doorway. Am I here to put on my Kesa? Oh no, I already did that, and I took it off. Are we here to do Kaisando chanting? No, I already did that. At that moment, Togon said, I opened the window a little, is that okay? Oh, I 
remember it. We're here to do Dogsan. <laughs> and I was reminded of the poet and Zen practitioner Joanne Kiger. Her poem titled, If Your Body Is Ill, Your Mind Needn't Be, in her collection, On Time. So here it is. Joanna McClure can't remember Emily Dickinson's name and tells me what Jess Collins used to say. At your age, do you ever think about the hereafter? Yes. When I go into another room and ask myself, what am I here after? (laughs) (laughs) So this is our last formal koan. of session. But I think you've already discovered the wealth of everyday koans in your own life. What am I here after? What am I here for? Probably a few others. So today we meet a wonderful Zen master, Tozan Ryokai, who lived from 807 to 869 in China, around the same time as Rinzai. And he first practiced with Nansen, then with Isan. There are some really beautiful events in his life that I want to share with you. One day, Tozan asked Isan, Chu Kokushi, the national teacher, taught that insentient creatures expound the Dharma. I'm not clear about it. Isan said, Sermons by insentient creatures are given, but few can hear them. Tozan said, Please teach me about this. Isan said nothing, just raised his hosu, his whisk, straight up. Tozan said, I don't get it. Please explain. Isan said, I am completely unable to tell you using the mouth that my parents gave me. Of course, wordlessly, he had already told, right? So 
often this happens to us. Rushing around, trying to figure it out, and we don't hear the silence speaking. Chasing after words and explanations. We miss Isan said, why don't you go to Master Ungan's place? So Tozan went, and he asked Ungan, who can hear the sermons of insentient creatures? Ungan said, insentient creatures can hear them. Tozan said, why can't I hear them? Ungon raised his horse straight up. Do you hear? Tozan said, no. How about you? So then, Ungan said, Don't you know the flower garland sutra says birds and trees all chant Buddha, all chant Dharma. Upon hearing this, Tozan had a breakthrough. It wasn't a matter of the quotation. He had read the Flower Garland Sutra before. And we too, right? Something we've read, something we've heard many times before. But somehow, something, Suddenly, <sighs> but having been thrust into great doubt by both Isan and Ungan, suddenly Tozan heard this chanting. You've heard it too, right? The breeze and the golden leaves, raindrops, all chanting Buddha, all chanting Dharma. When we really can hear can hear what we need to hear, can pay such exquisite attention and then in the midst of that attention we may notice how there's some little lurking thing that small residual self, that controlling ego entity, still trying to hold on, to direct and manipulate. Have you noticed? so subtle and it's so persistent 
sometimes hanging on by a mere thread. And yet, Anyway, Tozon's realization verse goes like this. Wonderful, wonderful sermons by insentient creatures you fail to hear if you listen with your ears. Listen with your eyes and you hear them. Remember Dai To Kokushi's verse that I read on the fourth day? Anybody? That's okay. I'll tell it to you again. If your ears see and your eyes hear, not a doubt you'll hold. How naturally the rain drips from the eaves. To hear with the eyes, this is rapt attention. Rapt, R-A-P-T. Not rapt. Attention to what? No object. Just this bare attention. Just being. This experience of walking without the chattering mind of sitting. Just sitting. Stopping. Letting the gaze listen. The gaze into this. A whole body, an ear. So from that point on, Tozan's practice was this lucid awareness, pure attentiveness. He stayed on with Ungon for some time, and then he became his successor, his Dharma heir. And time came for him to leave. Ungan asked him, where are you going? Tozan said, I don't know. Ungan said, sooner or later, you'll return. Tozan said, when you have an abode, I'll return. We heard earlier in the Diamond Sutra, a bodhisattva should develop a mind that abides nowhere, that alights on nothing whatsoever. This is the line that Eno Winon, the sixth ancestor, heard when delivering a load of firewood and upon hearing was illumined. No fixed abode, homeless. Thus, at home, everywhere. 
no returner, just returning, returning, returning. Abiding nowhere, what do we return to? From where to where? Diamond Sutra also tells us this is everywhere. Without differentiation or degree. Well, Ungan said, if you leave, it will be difficult to see one another again. This is pure fact, human emotion, and also you are free to go, but must bear the consequences. Tozan then said, it will be difficult to not see one another. His teacher said, it will be difficult to see one another again. He says, it will be difficult to not see one another. In whatever form we may be, we will recognize each other. Mm, Such beautiful intimacy between teacher and student. Nothing to do with temporal or spatial characteristics. Just this, seeing with our ears, we will see each other, this life, another life. Then Tozan asked Ungan, and this next passage is actually a koan of itself in the Book of Equanimity. If in the future, Someone happens to ask me about the master's dharma. How should I reply? There was a long pause. Then Ungan said, just this is it. Of course, before his words, the long pause, right? The long pause was it. Toes on, sigh. This was Ungan's dharma. If in the future someone happens to ask me about the master's dharma, this pause is it. But not yet Tozan's. It became this long pause became for him a depth charge. You understand a depth charge? Somebody? Can you say? That they find their target, right?
One day, while wading across the stream, Tozan saw his reflection. He saw his true being. And having this experience, he wrote this verse. Long seeking it through others, I was far from reaching it. Now I go by myself and I meet it everywhere. It is exactly me. I am not it. Understanding this way, I can be as I am. Mm. And he became a revered master, and with his disciple Sozan, founded the Soto School of Zen. Just sitting. Shikantaza. Just this is it. So today, Tozan tells his monks, tells all of us, there is an even higher teaching. And you monks should know this, he says. Imagine their surprise. Are you surprised? What is this higher teaching? Aren't we here training in Buddha's wisdom? Aren't we following in the ancestors' footsteps? Haven't we come up against a few Buddhist teachings like the Four Noble Truths? Emptiness, impermanence, Anybody? Patience. Hmm? Patience. Yeah, all kinds of wonderful things, right? The paramitas. And there's something higher. What could be higher? So monk asks, what is the higher teaching? And Tozan answers, it is not Buddha. That's it, we're done. Shocking, right? So what are we doing here? Some of you may remember the Gateless Gate, Mumonkan case 27, where Nansen is asked by a monk, is there a truth that has never been taught? before? Nonsense says, there is. What is it? Anybody? All truth. Hmm? All truth. Elk tree? Elk tree? Elk. <laughs> you are indeed. <laughs> Okay, so not Joshu, but Nansen, his teacher, okay, said, there is. What is it? I'm looking around because I know that some of you have worked on this. Go on. Well, Tozan gave you a hint. Okay, okay. <laughs> it is not mind. 
is not Buddha. It is not things. What's left? Hmm? The higher teaching. Mm-hmm. Teaching that has never been taught. So both Tozan and Nansen are denying everything we cling to, right? Not mine. Not Buddha. Not oak tree. Not even cypress tree. Cutting off all our usual assumptions, our usual unexamined ways of seeing, our conceptualized ideas about the Buddhist teachings must deprive, deprive ourselves of our most treasured assumptions about what we are doing, even about what we are not doing, especially, right? Especially. So, who do we turn to to be deprived? (laughs) Master Inzai. In this section of the book of Rinzai, he says, oh, maybe before I read this, you need to move. And I drink some tea. Followers of the way, If you want to attain real understanding of dharma as such, simply do not be deceived by others. Whether you are facing internally or externally, whatever you meet, kill it. If you meet a Buddha, kill the Buddha. If you meet a patriarch, kill the patriarch. If you meet an arhat, Kill the arhat. If you meet your parents, kill your parents. If you meet your relatives, kill your relatives. Then you will attain emancipation. By not being bound by anything, you will pass through freely. So you understand, he is speaking in this way, Killing, meaning, not being bound by your idea of what Buddha is, not being bound by your idea about filial loyalty, about anything, right? Kill, kill, kill. Not bound. You will pass through freely. And then he says, this mountain monk has not a single dharma to give to people. All I can do is cure illnesses and untie bonds. Followers of the way who come from everywhere try to come without depending on anything. Just try. It's so difficult, isn't it? If you could come in that way, I would like to ponder this matter with you. If 
Five years, ten years have passed, but not even a single person has appeared. All of them depend on grasses and leaves, like ghosts who cling to bamboo and trees. They are indeed spirits of wild foxes. They munch on the dried shit left by the ancient masters. Blind idiots! Wasting the offerings from the ten directions, they say, I am a renouncer of home. Yet their understanding remains as poor as that. Let me tell you, there is no Buddha, no Dharma, no practice, no awakening. Yet you go off this way and that, trying to find something. Blind idiots, putting a head on top of the one you already have. Look, what is it that you lack? At that, you should clap. So, to really appreciate this, deprive, deprive, kill, kill, what is it that you lack? Always putting something above your own head. We need to be thrust up against it. What do I mean by that? Thrust up against it, right? That session. You know Charles Dickens' opening lines to A Tale of Two Cities? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. That has a ring to it, right? What a great way to sum up session. And monastic life. Three people have asked about ordination. What are they asking for? Monastic life is sharp. It demands everything. It demands you hurl yourself away. There's hunger, exhaustion, cold, Pain, correction, of course, deprivation. We may understand to some degree what this means, but it's very different when you actually become a renouncer of home. And lay life, too, is very difficult. Struggling with complicated circumstances of all kinds. Financial insecurity. Relationships that don't work. Loneliness. Confusion. Misunderstanding, a sense of being somehow off balance, out of sorts. Maybe externally things are okay, but something feels awry, missing. being caught 
in the endless round of the three poisons. Greed, anger, folly. And a deep spiritual yearning that brings us here. I'm sure many of you know Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. One of the great Zen texts in the Bible. And that's what we're doing here in Session. As we wipe the film from our eyes, as Fugai put it the other day, so that we can be face to face with everything without exception, the things we like, the things we don't like. Face to face with all beings, hearing their cries, seeing their pain, knowing them and being known by them. This is our experience sitting together, isn't it? We may not know each other's names, but we know each other. And we are known by each other. So, here we are, taking it all apart, deconstructing, looking at the bare bones of our lives, and doing it again and again, letting go. Oh, that lurking ego entity, letting go. And once and for all, completely, and being reborn, as Geno put it. And then, again, somehow a new structure has been erected. Taking it down, looking deeply. How did it happen? It's endless, again and again, to know our own karma. And to see how its perpetuation affects others. And to be able to sit with this knowing and not turn away. And when this happens, to recite immediately upon seeing it all the harmful karma committed by me since of old, caused by my beginningless greed, anger, and folly, born of my body, mouth, and thought, I now confess and purify it all. to do this with a sincere heart is to realize that right in the midst of what may be agonizing recognition is the doorway to liberation. That we are free not from our 
circumstances, our karmic impediments, but within, within, then what do we feel? Nothing but gratitude. We can say thank you to all our harmful karma. It's true. In the Diamond Sutra, we heard the other day, yesterday. Furthermore, if virtuous men and women who receive this teaching are downtrodden, what means downtrodden? Persecuted. Hmm? Persecuted. Feeling persecuted by your recognition of your perpetuation of your harmful karma. This makes you feel very downtrodden, doesn't it? I'll never get out from under this. Downtrodden. Feeling perhaps some circumstances are not fair. How did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Their unfortunate destiny. When is unfortunate destiny happening? Right now. Hmm? Right now. Right now. Is the inevitable result of karma committed in their past mortal lives? Now here comes the good part. by virtue of their present misfortunes. The effects of their past will be worked out, and then they will be in a position something like that. This translation is slightly different. (laughs) D.T. Suzuki, you know. They will be in a position to realize supreme enlightenment. So, this higher teaching, how can we come to know it? Well, Fugai tells us we must fall lower. You think you have misfortunes? Fall lower. You think you don't have enough? Give it away. Put your face in the mud. Give up and be a not Buddha Buddha. No artifice, no name. Just ordinary mind right within our karma is the highest teaching. The late Soko Morinaga in his book Novice to Master starts Chapter 1, this way. If I were to sum up the past 40 years of my life, the time since I became a monk, I would have to say that it has been 
an ongoing lesson in the extent of my own stupidity. Wonderful. Someone once asked a Rebbe, a Jewish holy man, it used to be that people could see the face of God. Nowadays, they cannot. Why? The Rebbe said, nowadays, people don't bow low enough. I really want to encourage you when you are feeling you can't take another moment of this, whatever this is, between now and tomorrow at noon, from tomorrow noon until Rohatsu begins, whatever this is, bow. Do prostrations. Come into the Dharma Hall in the middle of the night and do nine bows, do eighteen bows, do thirty-three bows, do a hundred and eight prostrations. And it's magic. Are you tired? Sleepy? Right here you may stand up and begin. This is truly an incomparable way to transform, to enter into this liberation. That is right here, right under your feet. You find this, what is higher, right under our feet. So please do bow low enough in your moment by moment, precious life.